Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Mercury Mile. They're fusing fashion and function for all runners. Mercury Mile creates a personal shopping experience for both men and women at any stage in their running journey. It's fun and it's easy. First, just create your profile at mercurymile.com. Two, pick a shipping date. Three, receive and explore a curated box of incredible apparel from your personal stylist that matches your fit, style, and unique running needs. Keep what you love. Send back anything you don't. Free shipping and free returns always and no subscription required. What could be more fun than that? Try it today at mercurymile.com. Dot com And if you do, and I hope you do, I did, I enjoyed it, that's for sure. Uh, if you use code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 as your promo code at checkout, you'll save 10 bucks off the stylus fee. It's a pretty good deal. And let's get right to it. Today's episode is a little bit different. So it's a, uh, I guess, more of a collaboration than other episodes, which were kind of more of like interviews. Uh, this is a repeat guest. This is Kimberly Chanel Clark. Kim is a good friend of mine. Uh, met her... Uh, let's see, last year we recorded an episode right after CAM, which she absolutely dominated. And uh, in this episode, we don't talk too much about the running aspect. Actually, what we talk about is how we kind of treat um, we kind of treat treat our bodies more like guinea pigs sometimes um, than anything else. So we talk about how we've been experimenting with caffeine and sleep and sugar and supplements and a variety of different things. And we kind of take a deep dive into all of this. Uh, Kimberly loves to try things out. And I've been a little bit more experimental lately than I have been in the past. Basically a function of I saw things in my life that I could improve and I decided, shoot, what am I waiting for? I might as well just do it now. So we recorded this episode about a week ago. I'm recording this intro on Sunday, right before I released the episode. So Kimberly actually ran the San Diego Rock and Roll Half Marathon today, and we allude to it in the episode. So she had a great training uh, leading into the race, and then, was it eight days, ten days before the race, she came down with flu-like symptoms, and it really derailed her. Uh, she uh, kind of cleared the symptoms just before the race, and uh, I don't want to be a spoiler, but it's already out there, so I'll just tell you she didn't quite run the race that she was hoping for, but still ran a great one. So she ran 131 in the half marathon, which she has done several times now. She was hoping for something in the mid to high 120s. Didn't quite work out that way, but you know what? Sometimes you just, you know, things don't go your way. What are you going to do? You get the flu, you get the flu. So uh, you can only control your training. Sometimes race day can be out of your hands, whether it's uh, external factors like weather conditions or shoot just getting a bug at the wrong time of year but you know what? that's not why we do this we do this for the daily uh you know the daily process of getting better uh and then over time in the long run we know the race results will come even if each race doesn't quite go according to plan and anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows and shoot even if you don't listen to this podcast you still already know that success isn't necessarily a linear path but if you do the right things day in and day out you'll get to where you want to go and that's exactly why Kimberly and I are constantly experimenting on ourselves to try to get better so I hope you enjoy this episode with Kimberly Chanel Clark 
Hey everybody, before we get into the episode, I do want to give you a little disclaimer. There was a small issue with the recording in terms of syncing my voice with Kim's near the end of the episode. I don't think it's going to affect what you hear and what you get from the episode, but if you do notice it, I just want to let you know that I am aware of it, but I was unable to fix it before putting out the podcast. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but I just want to let you know that I am aware and hopefully in the future, this doesn't happen. So, Thanks again for uh, for downloading, and I hope you like this episode with Kim. Hello, Kim, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great, or I should say, welcome back yes. to the Rambling Runner podcast. Definitely. I'm so excited to be back talking with you. Yeah, well, last time we spoke was uh, beginning of December. You had just kicked some serious butt at CIM. And I was so excited to talk to you uh, post-race. And that was that was a really good experience. Um, however, this is like a whole different thing. This is like, as I mentioned in the intro, this is going to be more of a conversation about the stuff that we're trying to kind of play with and mess with, and tinker with from a nutrition and body standpoint to try to kind of maximize our performance in areas that we think we might be struggling or we could use a little help in and you're somebody who I feel like while I'm starting to do more of this, I feel like you've been on this tip for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, two years ago, I just realized that I could just make myself into a better athlete and that, you know, I just started taking a methodical approach of what I thought would kind of get me closer to where I wanted to be because where I was just wasn't what I was doing, wasn't cutting it. So I started changing a lot of things. And so slowly integrating different things has really helped me to change things around for my running. Yeah, absolutely. And then just even more recently, um, I think it was April, you had started, yes. you like, went very public. You're like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm jumping on the no sugar train. I'm in fact, I'm going to be the conductor on this sucker. <laughs> I want all y'all to join me, anyone who's interested. Um, so what kind of, what, what got you in the mood to do that? Uh, and by that, I mean, like, what was the buildup like? Like, what, what brought you to the decision point of saying, hey, I got to give this a shot? Well, you know, I have gone no sugar before back in 2013. And when I was doing it, I was like, I will never eat sugar again. I, you know, it, there's so many negative effects from it. I don't want to go back into it because once I'm in it, I just, you know, no, no self-control. So um, lately after CIM, I started buying these Bob's Red Mill gluten-free brownies and my husband and I were making them like every other night and I was using them as my, you know, pre-run fuel and (laughs) post-run. And I was like, this is out of control. I need to get my, you know, my nutrition back, um, you know, on the right path and I don't need this much sugar. You know, it's not doing good things for my body. So I just decided to quit cold turkey in April just to see if I could kind of get my taste buds to recalibrate, if you will. And there's a lot of ways to do this. And you were very open. You're like, Hey, if you want to, you want to do this with me, great, but do it, do whatever works for you. This was not like Absolutely. a dogmatic type no. endeavor. Um, but for you, what does no sugar mean? Like what exactly does that mean for your diet? Yeah, for me, it meant, um, you know, no, no added sugar in any food. I actually, actually didn't do any fruit either. Um, and you know, no sucralose, no fake sugars like that. I do do stevia because it doesn't raise your blood sugar levels. And, um, but yeah, for the most part, I was just 
doing no sugar. So it's, it, it basically has more than like a gram of sugar in, um, you know, in a package or on a product, then I won't do it. And a lot of times that like gram could be from something natural, not any added sugar. So for me, that's negligible. And I'm more looking to not do the 19 grams of sugar in a protein bar, you know? So um, I'm just trying to focus on the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law. That's a great way of putting it. Well, especially for a lawyer. I mean, I, I would yes. expect <laughs> you to throw that metaphor around. But, um, Definitely. I will say this. So for me, I saw, I saw you doing this and mm-hmm. I was like, I was of two minds. I was like, all right, I can never do that. I'm, I'm insanely jealous. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like these are kind of opposite end of the spectrum. It's kind of hold those, it's kind of difficult to hold those two thoughts in your head at the same time, because they basically, um, you know, kind of intimate two different thoughts. But at the same time, I will say I had a similar type of experience. Um, not when uh, born to run came out with the other Chris McDougal book, which the name is now escaping me. The one about the dudes in Greece and, and is all it that Dean Carnassus um, or no, no, not that one. It was the, the guy, Chris McDougal who did the book about all of like the, the Mexican runners, the Tarahumara. Yes. He wrote another book that detailed uh, the, kind of the, the people on Crete. And it was a very similar thing. Different topics a little bit, but the same kind of thing where you go to this indigenous group and you learn like the tricks of the trade and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, after reading that, I definitely cut my diet and I cut the sugar out in a lot of ways and went very like no, not, I don't say no carb, but very low carb. Um, kind yes. of did like the, I did the Phil Maffetone. I did the Phil Maffetone awesome. thing. So you take basically like a two week where you just do no carbs, like okay. nothing that has any kind of glycemic effect whatsoever on your body. And that was more like a, almost like a fast in a way from a sugar perspective, mm-hmm. um, any kind of variation of sugar that you can think of. So then after two weeks, he basically says, all right, now introduce a kind of like carb one at a time and see how it affects your body so like a potato would be an example so you have like a potato you see if it makes you like bloated or whatever and like oh no this is good this is fine all right then you try another one and you basically see which ones work for your body so it was like it was kind of an interesting thing i enjoyed it but overall i I kind of like lauren knows why (laughs) kind of like you i just stopped doing it i can't really i can't like explain why it happened but then i ended up going back to my old my old my old stuff so that is all a preamble to say couple weeks ago, I went to the no sugar thing and how I approached it was basically no added sugar and no sugary right. foods. So uh, obviously there's some sure. crossover in those two terms, but for me, like no added sugar would be like, um, you know, there'd be the difference between like, like a natural, like paleo yes. granola versus like a granola bar from Nabisco, right? Those are like two very yes. different things. So, so th- that's how I approached it. But then I ate fruit though. And what was your, so I'll, I can't wait to tell you what my first two weeks were like, what was your first two weeks dealing with the effects of taking all this out of your Honestly, diet? for me, it was just like the first day or two. The hardest part for me was actually wrapping my mind around the fact that I was going to actually do it again and go no sugar. And then the first day was a little bit tough because it's like, you have to, figure out different substitutions for things that you automatically grab, you know? So now I can't grab my usual protein bar that I would because it has, you know, eight to 16 grams of sugar, depending on the one I would grab and um, just different things like that. So it just figuring out the substitutions was where it's a little trickier, but I, it honestly wasn't too hard of a transition. And then 
I just felt great. You know, I, I didn't, I don't know. I really liked it right away. And, um, I've been doing it now for almost two months and I feel like my performance during this time has improved. I've, you know, and I've been trying to do lower carbs, just like you were saying. And eventually I would like to do no carbs if that's sustainable for my performance. And so, you know, it's all just like a lot of experimenting and seeing what works for your body. But, um, yeah, I, you know, the first two weeks weren't that hard and basically I just kind of didn't want to get off of it once I, you know, was on it. Right. I heard this really interesting podcast on Joe Rogan's podcast. He had an ultra runner on two months ago. I'm sorry, two weeks ago. And he is very like dialed in with his nutrition. So he's one of those people who like kind of tends to the low carb side, not for performance mm-hmm. reasons, but for like just body reasons. Like his body just has a hard time dealing with carbs, but he was very targeted. Totally. Like he would be like, okay, this is the workout I'm doing tomorrow. So this is how I'm going to eat today. Like, so he has like, he was a very like, you know, has certain yes. willpower, right? Some people just can't do that <laughs> sort of thing, you know, or at least it would take a, a lot of effort to do it. So he was very dialed in. Like, so like tomorrow I'm doing, you know, a decent amount of anaerobic stuff. I'm going to have, you know, some carbs today to like prepare my sure. body for that, to kind of increase my glycogen stores. It was really interesting. Like he took this approach to it. That was like very like holistic yes. in some sense, but then also very targeted. Like at 9 AM, I'm going to need X in my body. So here's how I'm going to eat before that. And it was like, t- like 24 hours before. It's like, wow, this yeah. is so interesting. Um, and like, for me, like I definitely, I can't imagine going no carb as a runner just because from like the anaerobic effect. Like I tried it once and I could tell, <laughs> like I would like go out and do eight hundreds. Like I could tell, man. Cause then like, I remember a week later I like had some pasta the night before a track workout and it was like, I ingested like no. rocket fuel the day before. Like I had like a completely oh, different crazy. experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of it. So my first oh, two weeks, I was oh, just going to say a lot of it's just figuring out what your body needs and what works for your body. And I think even with some of the lower carb stuff, it's also getting your body used to going that direction. You know, I don't think that, I think if your, your body's used to processing carbs in a certain way, um, you have to like taper it down, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And it depends on what you're doing, right? If you're sitting in like zone two, like 90% of the time, then you're going to be fine. Right. You're not going to have to worry about this. Like, do I have enough carbs in my system? Because you're going to get some from the vegetables you eat and all of that. It's not like you're not ingesting them. It's just not you're going to be ingesting them like a carb only sure. food. You know, um, as opposed to like, say you're training for like, say you're a, you know, you're a basketball player, right? Like they got the NBA playoffs like in the back. <laughs> I mean, so like if you're a basketball player, you'd be crazy to go no carb. Like you're going anaerobic so yeah. much. Like you would need that sugar. Absolutely. In your that makes sense. Um, yeah. So my first two weeks were a disaster. Oh no! It was like the hardest time. Oh man, I feel so bad. <laughs> it was like I had like debilitating headaches, like complete lethargy. Oh, my I was a mess. Oh my at gosh! Work. I like I knew it was going to happen, so I started on a Saturday morning to give myself a little bit <laughs> yeah. of grace, like before Monday. But Monday, I remember like. Within half an hour, someone came up to me like, dude, what's wrong? Like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, I didn't want to let it on. Um, But yeah, it was tough. But I'll tell you what, after, I think it was, I had been told it would last two or three days. And that was pretty much on the mark. I did a podcast with Nicole Wade after like the second day. I was like (laughs) having like migraines, like during the pod. I was like having her like counsel me during the show. (laughs) Like having this issue. Um, 
and she, she, she has just like you had kind of gone through the same experience of like kind of cutting out the sugars. And um, so it was interesting for me, exactly what you mentioned. It was, it was a lot of it was figuring out the yes. substitutes and then also amplifying certain things. So one thing that I started doing a lot more of was drinking oh, water. Now I've always needed to drink more water but I just never did. But for me, it wasn't because I was like, okay, I'm more healthy now. So I'm gonna drink more water too. It was like, you know, when you have spicy food and you just have to keep drinking things, that's how it was for sugar. I was like, I needed sugar so bad that I was just putting anything into my (laughs) mouth to try to like satiate my, Oh my goodness. The withdrawals are so strong. That's pretty much what it was. So I I didn't lose any weight that first week. Yeah, because you're eating everything. I kept eating I was eating everything to like try to make like the pains go away pretty much. That's so funny. Well, I'm glad that you figured out a a way for it to finally start working. Well, I'll tell you, it's like you mentioned the looking at the labels is illuminating in a lot of ways. Um, Like you mentioned, you have to like take a deep dive. You can't just look at like the grams of sugar. You have to figure out what kind and are they added, but there are definitely certain products that you would never imagine were high in sugar and you're like oh good grief like this is this is high in sugar too you know it's like i felt like half the stuff that i have in my house and probably 90 percent of the things i eat were high. so i just feel like it's so irresponsible especially for like health companies because i'm even before i did this no sugar thing i'm mostly eating like health foods you know um like products that you would see in at whole foods and be like oh that's you know really healthy look at you like trying to improve your life and then you look at the nutrition facts and it's super high in sugar. And, you know, so you kind of fall in this trap that it's a good food for you because it's one of the healthier foods, but like manufacturers are so irresponsible with that, you know, just in packing the sugar in. And so, and you know, if you're not really paying attention to it, it kind of slips in. And, and some of it's like stuff that's kind of like made for in race fueling, yes. but like as runners, we just eat it kind of mm-hmm. whenever. You know, like it's different if you're having it at like mile 10 of a sure. marathon as opposed to like, hey, it's 930 and I'm hungry after breakfast. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I got the most questions about was on my IG was like, what are you going to do for a race? And I just told people, you know, I'm going to do a gel for a race. That's not what I'm trying to cut out. Like I'm not trying to cut out performance enhancing type of fuel. I'm just trying to get to the majority of the sugar that's, you know, in my everyday life. I'm trying to get that out, not just, you know, the eight grams I might ingest during a race. Now, how do you, how did it affect your mood and well-being during the day? Because I have noticed an effect on this and I'm surprised that I did. Now, it can be related to a couple other uh-huh. factors because my no sugar isn't the only thing I've kind of isolated during this time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I know that you, you've kind of amped up the yes. sleep. As have Definitely. I, and I feel like, um, well, I'll let you speak first. How, 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 like, how's your mood and just overall like well-being been affected the last few months? Um, I feel, you know, and this could also be because I've been doing some ad- adaptogens lately, like um, red reishi mushroom and um, what's the other one I've been doing, and ashwagandha powder. But I think that that combined with sugar has helped my mood to be a lot more like stable. Um, not that it would go up and down a lot, but I have a pretty high stress job and, um, I feel like lately I've been able to just take things in stride more and not get myself worked up when things are going awry. And so I, you know, I think part of it probably has to do with 
sugar, you know, not having the ups and downs with sugar. Yeah. See, I feel the same way. I feel like super yes. calm. <laughs> and I was very like, yeah, you know, for the most part, I'd be able to hold together. But then I would have like these explosions of like, you know, like my kids look all of a sudden driving me crazy. And all of a sudden I'm raising my voice at them. And I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, oh, good grief. Like, <laughs> How do we get here? Done that. But, <laughs> right. But like, I felt like that was happening like almost every yeah. day, like not for extended periods of time, but for these short bursts. And I'm like, after the fact, I'm always like, oh, why am I totally. doing, you know? But like, so I like cut out the sugar. I went down to one cup of coffee a day. Oh, that's four. great. So that was two weeks after the sugar thing. I guess I just wanted to like bring back the headaches. So I just <laughs> oh decided to cut, to cut my sugar from four to one, uh, which was the morning. So I'd have one in the morning after okay. my run. And then um, I had to up my sleep. Now, this was before the sugar yes. stuff. I like for the past year, I had been basically living on four and a half to five. You hours can't do that, Matt. <laughs> Yeah. See, we talked about this in yes, your first podcast. You, you can't do, do it. Well, so basically, so basically what it was, was I was just, I was being able to handle the lack of sleep because of my sugar and caffeine. Absolutely. Intake. Now, it's masking it. It sounds, it sounds so freaking obvious when I say it now, but believe me, I didn't, I was not aware of this <laughs> at the time. I was like, oh, I'm making it work. It's fine. I'm yeah. making it work. It's fine. And now I look back and I'm like, what in the world was yeah. I doing? Masochism. <laughs> Well, yes, it's like, it's, it's a whole different thing. Well, on some level and see you, you work a, a you know big time job. You spend a lot of time at work, you know, whether you're at work or doing work at home. Sometimes when you say, I want to get more sleep, that's basically another way of saying I'm going to run less. Yes. And that's can be a hard trade for some of us, you know, but also sometimes running less is a good idea because it does, you do end up getting more out of yourself. You know, there's just so many trade-offs, but, um, I, I think that sleep isn't the thing that should be compromised if something has to go. Now, just for, just for my sake and for the people listening who can't remember the first podcast, what, what did you do from, what was your conversion like from a sleep perspective? I know before you were like completely, you're like on my end of the spectrum. Like how has it evolved? Yeah. So I basically, I, during Boston training in 2016, I was doing 80 mile weeks, which was the most I'd ever done. And I was um, traveling. My, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, lived 45 miles away. And so we would see each other after work. And so I basically was not sleeping during that time, plus doing 80-mile like, weeks. And, um, and I clearly overtrained for Boston because I wasn't getting the recovery I needed. And only on the backside of it did I even know what had happened. And then I just realized like sleep is the only thing that's going to cure this. Like it's going to get me out of this hole. And so I just focus on just getting the best sleep I could every night and just making that a priority because, um, you know, if you're not getting the right sleep, your performance is going to suffer. You're not going to progress as fast. And so for me, you know, sleep is better than any supplement you can take. You know, there's nothing you can do that's as beneficial for you as getting good sleep. It's so true. And like, I always have viewed it as, all right, my recovery will be helped if I sleep better. That's kind of like always like the party line. And I've never had any quibbles with it, but I didn't realize it was the other way too, in terms of, I was listening to the, the Matthew Walker Mm -hmm. podcast, um, again, referencing Joe Rogan. Um, he was on there and he's a sleep specialist. And I was like, just blown yeah. away. I think I was talking about this podcast for like two straight weeks. I could not Life changing. It. Like it was like such like a light. It was, it was like a lightning bolt from the sky. Yes. Like it was like, holy crap. Like 
I was like struggling at work. I was like, I had like struggles like on my running at work, all this stuff. And like, I look back on it now, like even, even at home with the kids, right? Like I had just mentioned, I was like, you know, getting a little emotional at times where like it was not serving me or them very well. And it like all traced back to this. So, and so one of the things that blew me away was the athletic um, performance benefits of people who sleep more or less than seven hours, not from a recovery perspective, but from like, hey, I slept six hours last night mm-hmm. and now I'm running versus, hey, I slept seven hours last night and now I'm running. And that one hour was like a enormous wow. benefit. It would be like the difference between running like 305, 800s and like running like 257, 800s, like an enormous benefit. I'm like, holy good, yeah, good grief. Like what? I, I've been doing this all wrong. And I felt like after listening to him, I'm like, like, well, I just wasted a totally. whole year. Like, what was it's, I doing? It's crazy. And the thing is, like, our society has us using the caffeine and the sugar so that we're not realizing how sleep deprived we are, you know? And so I don't, I only do caffeine two days a week and it's just right before my workout. So I don't do, take caffeine any other time. So if I feel sleep deprived, I'm feeling it the whole day. So then I'm like the whole day, like I'm going to sleep earlier tonight. But like most people don't really have, um, you know, as good of a handle on what's going on with their body because it's so masked with, you know, with the stimulants. Yeah, I know I didn't. It was, it's so true. And it's funny, you don't realize it because once you get in the habit of it, you just it's assume your normal. that you're fine, except for like those random days yes, you just crash. Absolutely. My, my husband would only get like um, five, five hours of sleep or something like that. And then once we got married, I was like telling him we, we have to get more sleep. And I mean, now he's just like, I don't even know what I was doing before. He could fall asleep in like three seconds before because he was like perpetually sleep deprived, which is a, just a horrible state to be in. And your performance, you're just not going to get as much out of yourself that way. So true. All right. So you mentioned before that you have caffeine only before uh, training runs. Is this a new thing or is this something so you've I been doing So I just started this a year ago because I didn't do caffeine except for races. And, you know, so races every other, you know, every couple months. And then I... Yeah, so it's only like, it's only like five days. Literally. Year, I, and I just don't, I don't drink, um, I don't take caffeine. But um, I just kind of had this epiphany one day, like, what if I, like, if I'm not ever hitting these paces, then I'm not going to suddenly hit them in races. So maybe if I started taking caffeine, like, to help me hit better, like, to, you know, to help me hit better training times in a hard workout, then, you know, that type of fitness can translate into a race. So I just kind of thought, like, maybe this could be helpful. And so I started about a year ago and, um, and I wouldn't not go into a workout without, um, without having, you know, some, uh, caffeinated gum. Oh, okay. So is it run gum or is it I've done run gum and I really like it. And then Apollo energy gum is the one I've been doing lately. And I, it's like, um, I think it's 80 milligrams for one piece. And so I just pop in a piece like right after my warm up and right, right before I hit my strides and, and I take off. <laughs> so what's that? That's like almost like a large coffee. Yeah, I, I guess so. So 80 milligrams, whatever that is. But um, yeah, you definitely, yeah. you feel a difference. Well, I don't even honestly feel anything because I'm immediately using it, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So like your body's doing a whole exactly. bunch of stuff at that time. It's hard <laughs> to like be like, all right, what, how much of this is the caffeine or the fact I just like, you know, ran myself <laughs> ragged around this track. 
Um, so, and then you have a, um, a pretty intricate, like morning routine with your smoothies. Like what was, so, so how have you played with the ingredients? Yeah. So like, and this is for like after workouts, right? Yes. Because I do all my workouts fasted. So I don't eat anything before a workout. Um, what I, on my way to my workout, I take, um, some beta alanine and, um, and I, you know, like in, in a water bottle and I just take a quick sip of that. I mix in just a little bit of water and then, and that's like an awesome supplement. I highly recommend taking it before hard workouts. And then right before I take off for my actual work portion of the workout, I take, um, some gum, some caffeine gum. So what is beta alanine? I've, I've never heard of this. Um, beta alanine. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it basically, you, you take it and like everything starts tingling. It's the weirdest supplement ever, but, um, it's supposed to help kind of block fatigue so that you can, you know, keep going longer. So, um, I started taking it last year and, you know, I noticed the quality of my workouts improved. And so now I'm really consistent in exactly what I do pre-workout and it works for me. So how much is in this liquid? Like you mentioned you could put like a splash of water in it. How much yeah, are you consuming? So I got the beta alanine powder and I'll take maybe like a quarter teaspoon of it and then just put a splash of water and then just like, you know, take a shot of that. And, um, and a little bit goes a long ways. <laughs> oh, right. Why, why have you taken a little um, too yeah, much Yeah, if you before? take too much, you're literally like everything tingles, like your nose is tingling. It's crazy. <laughs> but um, one of my really good friends, she's amazing. She's like qualified for Olympic trials, qualified for Kona, but um, she would just like pass on to me tips that, you know, that she had that she'd figured out. And so um, one of those was beta alanine before workouts. And then the other thing was um, taking BCAAs. And I really credit, you know, both of those things with helping to, me to get more out of myself and to recover better. Now, those are branch yes, chain exactly. amino acids. And that's post, yes. post run, post workout? I, all right. So, that, so that's part of the smoothie? Because you list <laughs> the things in your smoothie, and I'm like, I know. I know. And they, it's like, my smoothies take like, so long to make just because there's so many different powders in them. But um, yeah, so I put some BCAAs um, in my smoothies because it, especially after a hard workout, um, I just want my body to recover faster. And so that really helps the recovery process speed up. Got it. Got it. So do you, how are you, do you subscribe to the idea of getting it in like within a half an hour of the workout is that just kind of the, the normal method for you or is it just like hey i'm busy I'll yeah get to i mean I get probably to it. it's ideal to do the half hour but um it's more i'm running up to the office i have to shower and get in there and um so when when i'm able to get it done i'll, I'll do it all right and then you mentioned before you're doing uh you're messing around with your your iron and your yes. red meat um i didn't do red meat from basically all of last year um for like health reasons and then this year I've just like been craving it more. And I just feel like when you start craving something is your body, you know, communicating with you. So I've been adding more red meat. And I think, um, a, a lot of runners can, you know, lean towards being anemic. And I've, before I even was an endurance runner, I was anemic like my whole life. And so it would make sense that I'm still dealing with that right now. And so, 
um, I really feel, I feel a lot stronger, more powerful, um, eating more red meat lately. And, and I just started taking an iron supplement as well, just to help with that. But, um, you know, the fatigue is real if you, if you're not, um, getting your iron in. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to get back to that in a second. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mercury Mile for sponsoring this episode. Kim and I are talking about all the new stuff that we like to try here and there. One thing about Mercury Mile is that, hey, they let you do the same thing. So basically what they'll do is once you sign up, they'll send you a box full of goodies that are tailored to the things that you identify. Once you sign up on a little survey that you complete, takes about five minutes to do. Do it right on your phone. That's how I did it. And they send you a bunch of cool gear, some nutrition as well, and you keep what you like. You send back what you don't. It's really inexpensive, which I was shocked about. I know I've said in this podcast before, I thought these things were going to be fairly pricey because they're like, hey, you got them in your house. You're going to want to keep them. We'll just raise the prices on you. But that's not what happened. So I went, I got a bunch of good stuff. I really like it. Uh, my best running gear is all the stuff I got from Mercury Mile. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I'm the person who runs in the same running shirt for basically until it falls apart. I literally, Kim, I have a t-shirt right now. It says Barrington cross country on it. I had it in seventh, it was my seventh grade middle school cross country shirt. I still wear it on runs sometimes. So I mean, you have to hook up Mercury mile another time to get some more running gear, but it's, uh, it's definitely a lot of good stuff. I suggest it. And you can find out more at mercurymile.com and use code rambling runner 10 to save 10 bucks when you do. So Kim back to you. All right. So have you noticed uh, an increase in energy with, with the iron uptake or increase? Because I know that was one of the things that they always say, especially with female runners, is if you're yes. more lethargic um, or just overtired, that's always like the go-to question. It's like, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I need to get my blood work done soon, but I, I just believe that because I've been craving it, that it's my body's way of telling me we need more right now. And so I've been taking, I've been you know, having more red meat in general and then taking iron now for the last couple of weeks. And, um, and I, I definitely notice. I mean, I notice a difference. Um, it, you know, if I can combat some of the fatigue that I feel normally, then I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like kind of all over the place <laughs> with red meat. Some are just like, Hey, the more, the better. I really you know there's no specifics around it. There's no like, Hey, um, you know, there's totally. no qualifiers, right? And there's some people who are like, Hey, I'll, I, I'm, I am aware of how good red meat is, but I'm only going to have like the organic or grass fed yes. red meat. I'm not going to like have like the, you know, the factory farmed red meat. And then you can go all the way to the vegans who, you know, will take a very different Absolutely. stance on this topic. Um, I'm, I'm definitely like pro red meat. Um, I would love to do grass fed. Um, I don't have the funds to totally. support that habit. So I don't, I don't do that, but um, but I can definitely see the benefit if it was something that would like would work with my uh, with yes. my checking account. But um, yeah, I'm definitely one someone who like will probably have red meat once or twice a week. What does it look like well, for you? Now? I mean, literally last year I didn't have it like once. Like I wasn't eating red meat at all, and it was you know for some health reasons. But this year, I I mean we're having it pretty often. I would say like four to five nights a week, which is a lot. But I just I. I'm really performance focused right now. And so I think it's really been helping me to have the extra energy I need. Right. And I feel bad because like you're, you're about to, uh, you're about to have a big race <laughs> yes. next weekend, right? So this will come out after oh, the race awesome. that you run. So hopefully 
So let's just we can you know we can think positively. We can act like we recorded afterwards. <laughs> Congratulations, Kim. You just ran great. No. Um, so, but but you've been you know you're uh, you're not kind of at, at no full that's right and now. that's super frustrating. But that kind of you know you you put so much on you during a training cycle, and then you still have your work stress on there. You have like you know personal stuff going on, and so you know my body it was saying it's too much. So. I'm uh, getting a little extra forced rest right now, which isn't ideal, but you know, I know I'm going to, I still trust that this weekend I'll be able to perform to what I think I can do. So what do you have the, you've kind of like flu yeah, symptoms? Yeah, I got the Is flu last, uh, last Friday, Saturday. So, so I'm like nine oh. days, eight or nine days in. Um, so I really should be fine by next, you know, by next Sunday, but you know, it's not a confidence booster to just be feeling like not yourself um, for so long before the race. No, it's so true because also like you basically missed because yeah. you're running a half. So you basically missed like like the last yeah. peak week. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Of your training, which is kind of annoying because it's like also like a big confidence. Absolutely. Booster week. You're just like, this is what's, you know, if once I nail these workouts, I'm going to feel great. And then I can coast into my taper. And instead I'm like missing the big workouts. Um, and then yes, uh, Saturday I did a workout, you know, like definitely not feeling well. And it did not, you know, it didn't go as well as I would have wanted my last big workout to go. And so, you know, I have to basically set aside all those thoughts and just remind myself about, you know, how well the cycle went because it went really, really well. And, um, and so I know I can perform really well on Sunday. I just have to go out there and do it. Right. And like, it's, is it one of those things where like, you know, when you step back, you know, that you can do that, but like in the, like the minute by minute, like, you know, like idiosyncratic moments that all of us runners have, do you have like these constant like pangs of doubt? Like, I mean, you have, you know, you have a good relationship with your coach, Ryan Vale, who's yes. been on this podcast and your husband, Tyler Underwood, <laughs> who's also been on this podcast. Um, so you have a couple of people who are very yes. good runners and great with advice and, you know, kind of right there with you. But so what are some of the things that you're kind of leaning on them for as you kind of get ready for a race, not knowing quite what yeah, to expect? So, I mean, Tyler's just like, you have enough time. Like it's, it's fine. You're, you're going to be fine by then. Um, and, you know, and, and logically I know that. So, you know, I can say like, yeah, I do believe that. But then like, while you're feeling the symptoms of being sick and then while you're running in a body that doesn't really feel like, you know, your, your body normally feels, then it's kind of tough to be like, well, what's it going to feel like in five days? You know, like my last, um, my last K repeat before Tyler made me cut the workout on Saturday was a slower pace than I ran eight miles continuous, um, you know, a week before. So that's just like, it's just tough when your running just is affected by being sick. And so it, it just affects your confidence because you're like, am I just a totally different runner now? Has everything changed? <laughs> and then you also have the feeling of when you're sick, man, you're just like sitting on the couch, like yeah. not doing anything. And you're like, just even if like you're eating super healthy in those moments, and frankly, I don't know. Maybe you can. I can't eat healthy when I'm sick. Like, forget about it. I don't even try. I'm just like, like whatever's the nearest thing, I'm grabbing it. Um, you know, so you always, so if you're just not on your feet a lot, you just oh, totally. feel different than you would normally. It's not like, oh, this is the same as a taper. Because, like, in your taper, yeah. you're still moving. You're just, like, cutting. You're just cutting the mileage. It's not like, 
okay, I'm going down to zero. Exactly. And so I think that, you know, that's part of it too. You just don't feel like yourself. So I, I have one more like workout on Wednesday, but it might just end up being, you know, hard strides at the end of it, but hopefully, you know, I'll feel pretty good then. And, and hopefully on Sunday, everything just comes together because for me, this was like my big race of the first half of the year. And so that's, what's disappointing about this because I just ran the run revel race at Mount Charleston. I just ran as a training run. I did a taper for it. Um, you know, I did a really hard workout two days before it. And so I'm like, I really wanted to do well at this one. So we'll see what happens. But, um, I'm, I just keep telling myself regardless, you know, I really do believe I'm going to pull it together and have a great race on Sunday. But even if, you know, I'm still feeling the lingering effects of being sick, like I've gotten into the best fitness of my life and I'm going to get back up from being sick. And like that fitness is going to continue to build and carry on. And I'm going to have some other great races this year. So what are the, do you have goals set out for the, yeah, I would love to do, um, a 126. Yeah, that's awesome. So what did you run? I did a 127, 26, I believe. So, Holy cow. So yeah. So like if you, obviously if you hadn't gotten the flu, that would have been like, you know, a very logical next step. So that that totally makes sense. So is that, so for you, why was this like the preeminent race of the spring? Why did you choose the half marathon distance? I say that because you're, you know what, shoot, for like four or five years, you're like very yes, marathon definitely. Um, I think it's because I realized that you can't just only run marathons to get better at the marathon. <laughs> so that's why I did my, um, the first three months of the year were focused on the 5k. And then I ran a 5k in March and then, um, you know, till June and basically until August, I'm just going to focus on the half. And um, because I, w- I just really believe I need to get my half time down so that I can do sub three hours by the end of the year. And so it's all just, you know, I'm trying to take a really strategic approach to my goals. And, um, and so part of it is getting my shorter distance times down so that I can actually, so that when I get to the marathon, 650 feels like I'm jogging and that's what you need to have it be. You can't have 650 feel like a, it's like a hard pace and it can only feel really easy if that is an easy pace for you because you've lowered your threshold. Right. Now at CIM, you were like the happiest <laughs> kid in the world. You were like smiling, yes. laughing, like all these things for you. You look like, yeah, you look like somebody who like wasn't actually running the race. Like you'd like just like stolen someone's bib and just like jumped into the middle and like was having a great time. Like you had these I wonderful know. pictures. So how do you approach this race? And this is even like a health thing, but no matter what your health was like in the lead up, like how would you approach this race from a, like a mental standpoint in terms of the pacing side versus like, okay, when things get tough, these are going to be like my go-to mantras to fight through the pain. Like, how are you, how are you really picturing this race? On yeah. So, you know, at CIM, I just wanted to have like a fun day and I obviously wanted to get the most out of myself, but because I, my fitness was so much stronger than it ever had been, I could basically go out there and do anything. And it would be a big PR just because of, you know, how, how much I had grown. Um, I think on Sunday, I, you know, I definitely want to be having fun, but I'm going to be more in race mode. Hopefully that's the goal. So, um, just looking to push more and hurt more, um, and just also enjoy it. I love it because it's, you know, I'm from San Diego and it's like a hometown race. So I see a lot of people I know along the course. So that just makes me so happy to just, um, you know, see family or really good friends. Um, a good friend of mine 
jumped into the course at like mile six last year to say hi to me. And so it's, it's just nice seeing people that, you know, along the course. For sure. I mean, you guys were in a race down there a couple of weeks ago, right? When Tyler ran the bridge, yes. the four mile bridge race. I, I wasn't, I wasn't there I saw- because I was sick that day, but yeah, he, he ran over the Coronado bridge. Um, his last two miles, the mile down the bridge was a 436 and the mile on flat was a 436. So he was killing it. That's insane. I, I, I lived on Coronado oh, you did? for a summer. And I've been on I've been on that bridge plenty of times, and I'm just like, oh my goodness! You know, it's like just that just seems like a brutal it, that just seems like a brutal race totally. first of all. But the the four mile bridge run is like a very popular race out here now. There's a couple of oh, them really? in Rhode Island that have sprung up. Yeah, well, there's, we have a couple bridges in the state. Uh, we are yes. the ocean state, so kind of going over like back and forth to Newport from a couple of different directions and Jamestown. There's a lot of bridges you can go over and. Yeah, like I think like every bridge now has their own four mile up and oh my back gosh, bridge awesome. race. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it's also yes. very intimidating because you're like, all right, throw like the PRs out the window. And it's also like very logistically, like especially if they're getting really popular, the logistics Absolutely. get a little tricky because you have to like, you can't park near the bridge because there's nowhere to yeah. park next to a bridge. So you have to like, it's almost like a marathon. You have to park somewhere else Absolutely. and get busted. That's in. what he it's had like, to do. Wait, I'm doing this for like, I'm doing this for like a 26 yeah. minute race. Like I'm spending like two hours getting it's ready. It's like for the equivalent of a thing. 5k except not. And it just takes so much more time in the morning. It really does. And like, for me, any way to like rationalize not doing a race, <laughs> I will grab it with both hands. So I'm like, ah, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. It's okay. 5k's are more fun. Who wants to climb over a bridge? There you go. I'll tell you, and that, that's one thing that I'm trying to do too. So you're changing up your yes. race schedule. You were kind of doing the guinea pig episode here. And like, for me, I'm doing the same thing. So I'm actually, I just signed up for a mountain oh, wow. race uh, at Killington Mountain. So Under Armour has a series where they do mountain races over the summer. And my buddy plans like this. He doesn't have kids. So he gets to like playing golf trips mm-hmm. instead. Nice. So he plans <laughs> golf trips at like four or five times a year. And then this group of guys always goes, I go to like one of them. So I go to this one in Vermont every year for like two days. So it's always a blast. I play golf once a year. It's like at this thing, I just go to like be around totally adults for like (laughs) once in my life, you know? So it's always a blast anyway. So last year I'm, I'm going for a morning run on Saturday and I'm like, wait, what's going on? So I ran up to the top of Killington mountain, just like as part of like just a workout. So I'm going up there and I'm like, shoot, there's a freaking race up here now. (laughs) So I'm like, what's going on? So then after like, you know, a week later, I go and check the results. And one of the people I follow on Instagram won the oh, freaking wow. thing. It was a Sarah Canny. Yes. Sarah Canny, I Run Far Girl, um, who just does like, who's very inspirational and motivational and provides so much insight into a lot of things. Anyway, she had won, I forget the distance. They have like five, at least this year, they have a 5K, 10K, 20K, or sorry, 25K and a 50K. Oh my it's like this very like rigorous stuff. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna do the 10k and I've never done one of these suckers. So I'm like I'm really excited because like you like I'd kind of usually suck to my bread and butter. For me that yeah. was 5k. It's like I never really I never really altered it. So I'm like really excited like this new challenge. Yeah. So what distance are you you planning on doing? So I'm gonna do the awesome. 10k. So it's basically like <laughs> uphill for like the first 5k, then like downhill for the second. Yes, 5K. I love it. You're gonna have to conserve a little bit of energy so you can just really go crazy on the downhill yeah i'm I'm like i'm thinking the same thing but this also like i'm like i don't want to like 
you know, tear my ankles to shred on like a tree root or something. I'm like, how fast, how fast can I go on this downhill? Like I'm looking at the pictures from last year race and maybe all the pictures are people going uphill and no one seems to be running. Oh no. Everyone seems to be like, like walking in a way where, you know, where like you put your hands on your knees and you kind of push yourself up while you're walking. I'm like, this I, I, I like almost don't want to call it a 10k I almost just want to call it like, it's like hour an hour race. hike <laughs> yes that's exactly what it is it's like, like the difference between running it and hiking it will be like a and 1% we'll, we'll see if you end up converting over to like a trail runner or if you stay a road runner after this well I'll tell you if I become a trail runner that's going to be tough because I'm a morning runner so it's like alright I'm going to convert to trail runs but I'm only going to do it when there's no sunlight <laughs> I'm just going to like run in the dark in the trails and like get like Close Seriously, I I am not coordinated enough to do trail running. I feel like all I do is trip. <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly right for me too. And see that the other thing too is like doing the um like the Ragnar yes. races, right? So like that's another way of like kind of like changing up your your running technique because you know you're not going to set like a PR. Totally. It's not going to be one of those things where you know you you train for months and months to get this sort of like external motivation. It's more of like the internal yes. pride, I guess, in one of those things. Definitely. Have you have you done a Ragnar? No, but like I got a couple people who invited <laughs> me to them in the past, but they're all like, I want to do them so bad, but like they always seem to conflict with work stuff. So like I work at a college, so if it's like reunion oh, weekend or something, like I have to, like there's totally. no way to get out of it. Like that's just like a mandatory like all hands on deck type moment. So like. Every time I get invited to one of these suckers or even like an obstacle course race, it's always one of those. Well, you might, you might've been saving yourself too, though. So they're, they're, they're fun bonding experience, but I I've done like, I think like three road ultras. And then I essentially did a trail one as an ultra because we were like missing two members. So they can be really brutal too. You know, they're, they can be fun, but I think I think if I did one again, it would just be like with a 12 man team and just a little bit more relaxed because um, it can feel really masochistic, um, you know, when it's like 2 p.m. and like 90 degrees and you have to run 16 more miles to like finish up 40 miles. Yeah, that doesn't sound very yeah. enjoyable. That's for sure. It's funny. I was listening to, um, but you, you know, Jesse yes. Itzler who did uh, tra- you know, was it Living with a mm-hmm. Seal where he had like David Goggins live in his house. He's like the, uh, he's married to Sarah Blakely and he's like the owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Anyway. So really interesting guy. He started these things this year where they're like half wellness retreats, half like endurance retreats. Oh, so he's had, he just had one up in Vermont. He basically rented out Stratton mountain. He has another one in Utah in a couple months. And these are so interesting. So what they, what they're going to do is, so you like so the one in Vermont was you had like twenty four hours and you had to cl- had to go up the mountain a certain amount of times but equaled like the distance it was to like go up oh, wow. Everest. So maybe maybe not twenty four hours but over the course of the weekend you had like 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 okay now it's running time this is what we're doing so like the hundred or two hundred people that were there that would just keep doing it going up and down the mountains so, like you'd go you'd run up or you know probably walk up and then you take the gondola back down and then you would like just like you're like skiing and then you would just go back up. So they had that part, which is like kind of self-explanatory. And then the other part they had like wellness speakers, kind of like a Ted talk 
type stuff and like yoga and meditation and they'd like get food trucks up there like healthy food trucks Uh coming through it was like this three-day like event i'm like man this is so interesting because it kind of like touches on all the topics that people that who you know who love to run kind of like touch on either like on purpose or tangentially at some point or another absolutely well that sounds like a fun like festival like thing except for all the the climbier quads would be all tore up yeah, I mean, that was like, you definitely have to train yeah. for that sucker. That's for sure. I mean, but you did something like that, right? You did like the Karagoucher. Yes, I did. I've done it, I want to say like three or four years in a row. And what so, is that again? I mean, it's a really fun retreat. It's just for all women. And we've had them in different places. So we did Napa. We did Tucson, Colorado. Um, we did Breckenridge and Boulder. So um, basically like 50 to 60 girls all get together um, and we had different speakers. We do some runs together. Like this year we ran um, at University of Colorado's um, track, which was awesome. Just getting to, it's such a gorgeous track and getting to run with everybody and do, you know, some different workouts. And we got to, I I got to do a long run up at altitude where I was like, I don't think I've ever been in this bad of shape in my life. (laughs) So very humbling to run at altitude, but um, yeah, just a really cool experience being with all the, all those girls and Kara. And, um, I just, you know, it's been a really encouraging retreat to go to, um, like every, every year I come away with a lot just from going to that. And I think that during the, my times in running where things weren't going well, um, I really, um, was able to like stay really hopeful by, you know, going to those retreats and really, um, being encouraged. So that's, that's always, you know, that was really helpful for me just in staying focused on what I wanted to do, even when things weren't coming together. Right. So was it more like the social connections you made there, like the, like the relationships you were able to build, or was it more of like the knowledge that you gained either from the speakers or just learning things from people who've achieved wonderful things in their life and kind of taking, like kind of learning how to follow in their um, footsteps? I think that the, the, the things that we all got the most from were just more of the emotional aspect of it. Um, it. We do, you know, do some like learning sessions about different things, but a lot of it is just realizing that Kara as an elite goes through the same insecurities and doubts and has same fears as we all do. And just um, a lot of it is just realizing that um, like we can overcome those things. And so I don't know. It ends up being a pretty emotional retreat for a lot of us just because, you know, you go through a lot and you might hold a lot in during your daily life. And then you come up there and, you know, you're around a bunch of other girls who are going through the same thing and you just, everybody gets it. That's awesome. I can see, I can see the the value in that. That's for sure. And especially for, especially if you're, you're someone who doesn't want to, for completely understandable reasons, kind of like let those emotions fly on a day-to-day basis to be in a spot where you can like have someone who can not only be a good listener for you, but who can kind of identify with those emotions and and not just the emotions, but the reasons for them at a very like, you know, at like, at like the most basic level. Um, I can see why that would, that would mean a lot. Just help Um, people process it. You know, I think if you process things well, that you, like you just are more successful. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, if you, if you have that baggage holding, you know, yeah. holding over you, it's going to affect you. I mean, I think uh, Alex Hutchinson writes about it in that book endure 
and he kind of you know it's, it's not his work per se a lot of it it's just kind of like you know going through totally. the research of like hey if you have a very like stressful home environment or work environment preceding a run like good yeah. luck <laughs> right i mean that's basically i mean obviously the, the scientific data lays out exactly what happens but basically what happens is like yeah you're not gonna well you're absorbing well. it all you so, know like, and so um you know it's good to figure out why you're feeling the way you're feeling and, and process things better just so that way you can have a better outcome. Like that's the whole, you know, sometimes you have to redirect the ship and that's kind of what some of these retreats can do because you, you can be going down like a road without even realizing it. It's super like um, subconscious. And then some of these retreats and just hearing about how other people deal with it are kind of a wake up call to maybe process your stuff better. And it spirals. Yes. <laughs> Right. Because you can be like, oh, man, like this is going bad. And now my workouts exactly. are being affected. And then like and then you then by focusing on that, well, then just adds more stress, which then affects you more. And then like around and yes. around you and go. Even going back to just how, you know, we're talking about different things that we've been a guinea pig of, you know, recently over the last year, I've had to really take, you know, take charge of my like the mental aspect of things because I had let my mind just like kind of do whatever it wanted for too long. And it was just having a really defeatist attitude. And um, so for me, improving my workouts and getting them to a better quality and just, you know, having consistency with that helped me to, you know, get a little bit more confidence each time. And so I'm building my confidence week by week. And then, you know, before I know it, I'm able to change how I view everything because I have more confidence, but you can't get the confidence unless you start, you know, like it's like one building block at a time to get there. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. It's, it's definitely like a chicken and yes. egg scenario. It's like, you need, sometimes you need confidence to have like these high level runs, but how do you have a high level run? If you don't exactly. have confidence. And for me, that was, you know, putting things into place that would give me a better chance of having a better run, you know? So for, you know, caffeine for my workout, beta alanine, getting better rest, um, only running five days a week, different things like that. So I'm like, I'm putting myself in a better position so that I'm not going to have to suffer another blow to my confidence. And so with each successful workout, then, you know, I feel better about myself. I feel better about my running. And, um, and so it starts building on each other, but you have to, you have to give yourself the opportunity to have good workouts in order for things to start changing. There you go. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so much fun. I really of appreciate course, it. Of course, Matt. Thank you for having me on again. I loved chatting with you. Oh, likewise. And good luck this weekend. I'm sure you're going to kick butt. 126. Here you come. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you later. Bye, Matt. Thank you again, Kimberly, for coming on this week's episode of the Rambling Runner podcast. And thank you, listeners. I really appreciate it. You know, everyone who subscribes, listens, and shares the podcast, please know it really warms my heart when you do all of those things. So thank you in advance for doing that. Also, big ups to Mercury Mile. I'm a big fan of Mercury Mile. And if you give them a shot, I know you will be too. We talked a lot today about experimenting and trying new things. And that's one of the best parts about Mercury Mile. They send you new stuff all the time. And if you don't like it, hey, man, just send it back. It's no big deal. So, again, go to mercurymile.com to check it out. Use promo code RAMBLINGRUNNER10. It saves you $10 and helps out the podcast, too. I'd appreciate it if you did that. And either way, ultimately, I hope you have a great day and happy running.